the Old Testament of our Bible is sometimes daunting. Scan the pages of the good book and you will hear of genocide, violence, polygamy, and other hard-to-handle issues. Some might think the God of the Old Testament was different than our caring and compassionate Jesus. They are wrong. Our God is the God of the Old and the New Testament, whether we always understand it or not. So why read the Old Testament? It tells us where we've been, it tells us where we're going. We see the beauty of God's love, and it swells with prophecies about Jesus. We love the Old Testament because Jesus loves it. Join us as we continue our ongoing series, Origins, Studying the Bible Jesus Read. All right, glad to be with you guys today. Um, here's my disclaimer. Uh, I've invited several parents, and it's up to you, uh, to have your kids in the service knowing that uh, I'm going to talk about sex. Okay, so um, that's super awkward, right? Here's the deal, though. Like, I just want to say, for like a lot of kids, there's a lot of people speaking up into them about sex right now, and a lot of people telling them about it. And right now, what we do as a church oftentimes is we go like, okay, well, we're just not going to talk about sex until it's the appropriate time. So when you're 40, we'll talk to you about sex. And then the problem is, is that we got kids talking about sex. We got kids pulling up videos on their phones about sex. And that's who's teaching our kids about sex. So A, we are going through a series straight through the Bible. And so ultimately, would I like to preach about this? The answer is usually no. Um, if I got to pick what it was about, I would not be like, yes, this is a good thing to talk about. I want to talk about it. Um, but guess what? We're preaching through the Bible. So I'm going straight through this, this message in Exodus. And here we go in the Ten Commandments. It just came up talking about sex. One thing I want to talk to you guys about real fast before that, um, every time I want to say, I want to sing the, that song. Is that TLC? Let's talk about sex, baby. Is that? Who is it? Who is it? Salt and pepper. I did not watch those videos as a kid all the time. Before I was a believer, before I was a believer. Okay, um, salt and pepper, that takes me back. Okay, so uh, one thing I want to say is to our men, uh, we have this men's retreat coming up. We want to tell you there should be nothing financially to stop you from going. We're going to have barbecue, Korean barbecue. We're going to have chicken fried rice. We have someone making, like one of the women, a couple of the women are making uh, Thai tea with boba for us. Like, the dudes are going to, like, it's going to be awesome. I have amazing speakers coming to talk to us. Um, I think it's going to be really incredible. I encourage you to go. We have 19 dudes signed up, and my goal is 25. Um, and I think, I think 25, oh, 20, someone just raised their hand. They're like, 20, 21, going once. Goes on. Hey, I, I hope you will sign up. I think you will really appreciate it. Um, we have three amazing dudes coming to speak to us, actually five. Um, amazing dudes to speak to us. I think you're going to be encouraged by it. And I, I know that you sitting on the couch or you fixing something around the house is not going to be as beneficial to you as this or to your family. I truly believe this is more beneficial to your family than you serving them by doing something for them that week. Okay. All right. So uh, let me get the translation out of the way. Buenos dias. Si necesita escuchar el sermón en español, tenemos dispositivos de traducción para usted al costado de la sala. All right. So we're going to be together in Exodus 2014. 
Exodus 20, 14. Um, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. So I'm going to actually, you know, I'm going to ask you to go to Matthew 5. The reason being is that I can read to you Exodus 20, 14 in less than five seconds. Um, and so we'll be in Matthew 5, 27. We have Bibles available on the, on the corner. If you want like a really nice Bible for you that you can like be proud of and it's just beautiful, take one. We have these nice boxed ones. They cost us some money, but if you throw in 10 bucks to the offering, that will cover part of it. Or if you don't have 10 bucks, just take one. Make it yours. Um, just treat it nice because, you know, if you come back the next week and you want one, we're not going to... No, we'll give you one still. Okay, so I'm going to read to you Exodus 20, 14, this long verse. Ready? Do not commit adultery. Cool. All right. Moving on to Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Okay? We are in the Ten Commandments at the moment and just moving straight through Exodus. And, uh, you know, those are short. So uh, what I always appreciate is when instead of me teaching you about the Bible, we have Jesus to teach you about the Bible. And this is what Jesus says about that. So Matthew 5, 27 through 30 Matthew 5, 27 through 30. I always get it like the third time, so Matthew 5, 27 through 30. You guys ready? This is God's word. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, those are the words of Jesus. So don't be like, oh, pastor, you just made that up. Like, this is the words of Jesus. And, and before I go any further, we're going to pray. But I just want to say one thing. Um, when I was dating what is now my wife, uh, we struggled with this. And we struggled to like, you know, like, she went on, uh, she studied in Italy, and I went to visit her, and it was like, I visited her in this gorgeous place, and uh, I was struggling to honor God with the way I treated her, the way I respected her, and I just want to say, we didn't get this right all the way, and I want to stand in front of you and say, the things I'm talking to you about, I'm not saying are easy, and the things I'm talking about, I'm not saying I didn't struggle with them with my, my now wife, who I've been married to almost 16 years now, so I don't want you to hear this like, Okay, all you guys are dumb and none of, like, I'm fine. This is, a, this is a hard thing for everyone. And if it's not a hard thing for you, you got something else. But, but this is what I'll say, okay? I want you to know, when I talk to you about the Bible verse here, it's not coming from a place of me judging you, okay? I just want to say that. Because I got enough junk in my closet that God could just pull out in front of you. And I, I, just, I, just, wanna, I just rather pull it out in front of you myself and say, um, I've struggled with this, okay? Cool? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you've done everything to bring us into your family. But uh, God, you also know that we seek our own way. God, this room is full of people who have failed you, and yet you cherish us even in our struggle and our sin. God, we know that your word says that you have tender thoughts towards us, and it's really hard for us to comprehend that you would have tender thoughts towards people who run away from you all the time. God, would you let our confidence and our identity only lie in the fact that we are beloved children of you? Would you give us hope this morning as you teach us the right way to go? Would you convict us of our sins and help us to move forward with a deep and abiding sense of your grace? God, don't just remind us of the way that we suck, but would you remind us of the way that you can help us out of it? God, teach us this morning from your word. May the words of my mouth, the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. So those of you who know me fairly well by this point know that I like surfing, um, and so, like, pretty much every week I have some kind of surfing story. Um, so here's one of my favorite ones. 
Um, okay, so surfing is a, a sport dominated by men. And uh, most of us are out there, and I'm just going to say, it's often white men who look kind of like me that are out there. That's kind of like the, the guy that you see. Um, and every once in a while, you'll have someone who has darker skin, or you'll have a woman out there surfing. And I'll just tell you, these dudes do not know how to speak to a woman, do not know how to look at a woman. They just, it's so weird and awkward, you know, especially when bathing suit season comes. Like, it's just weird. And I remember this one time, you know, the thing about cha changing after you surf is you, you wrap a towel around, you try and get your wetsuit down, you try and pull up your pants, and it can be very awkward. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, please don't let me get arrested, like, with, when the wind picks up. You know, it's one of those things. So I'm, I'm there changing um, next to another surfer, and the dude goes, oh, look, look behind you, man. And I'm like, what, what, what is it? He's like, look at her. And it's this girl wearing a bikini, um, just got her wetsuit off, and, and there's like the sun is rising behind her, and she's got like this big bucket full of water that she's dumping on herself. And, and he's like, check it out, it's amazing, man. And I'm like, what? no, 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 man, I'm not looking at that. And he's like, really? Why? Why are you not looking at that? And I'm like, because I don't want to look at it. And he's like, why don't you want to look at it? And, and, it's, and you know, kids, kids here, this is what happened. He said, don't you like boobs? That's what he said to me, right? Like, don't you? What's, what's wrong with you, man? And I'm like, no, my eyes are for my wife. And he's like, mine too, but look at that. <laughs> and I just said, no, no, man, I can't. I, I, I want to honor my wife by not looking at someone else. And, um, you know, I, I got to th think that he went home and he thought about that and, and he considered it. And, and if this was Monday, it was about Friday that I got a text from him. And he said, man, I've been thinking about what you said. And uh, I saw these two grapes that were stuck together. And so I'm sending you an image of them because you can look at those and enjoy it, right? <laughs> the world will not understand this, okay? And I'm just getting it out of the way. Like sexual purity and sexual goodness is so confusing to the world that they are going to do things like this. They're going to say, you're crazy, man. Enjoy this. You're crazy. Here's some grapes. It, it doesn't make sense to them. Like, you're not, you're not touching anyone. Dude, you're fine. But we know that Jesus desires more than just not having sex outside of Christian marriage. Last week, we talked about not murdering. And Jesus said, cool, good job not murdering. But it goes beyond that. He says, don't confront each other in anger. Don't have angry feelings inside of you. Don't let it well up inside of you. Friends, today we are going to talk about more than just action. We will talk about action. But Jesus is interested in so much more than that. Jesus cares about the state of our heart. And friends, people in this room are going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong. We are going to get it wrong. And I just want you to hear, as you hear this message, this is not a message of condemnation if you are found in Christ Jesus. And so if you find yourself in a place of despair because you hear the words of Jesus and you say, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting it, well, I tell you there is hope in Jesus. And, and, and no one's here to condemn you. We're here to draw you to Jesus, draw you to his words, and let him speak to you. All right, so today uh, we have three points from Jesus on destruction. From Jesus, not from me. <laughs> so don't be mad at me. This is Jesus. Um, and our first point is this. Adultery destroys. Adultery destroys. This is the most, like, straightforward one. This is easy, right? Exodus 20, 14. Do not commit adultery. Sweet. Okay. 
Well, this not only includes uh, cheating on your spouse, this includes zana, which is that Hebrew word that we use for sleeping around, intercourse with someone outside of Christian marriage. And if you want to use the old school King James language, that word is translated, but, but to translate that old school word, you have to be wearing like um, suspenders and like hang back and you have to call it fornication. Okay, so it is translated, before I was a Christian and I heard someone say fornication, I was like, I don't even want to ever talk to you again. That is the weirdest, creepiest word ever. But that's the word that it translates as, um, sometimes in an accent. But the Bible speaks about sex being the intermingling of souls. This idea of two souls intermingling, it's almost more like sewing two souls together, which sounds kind of weird, but it's also pretty amazing and beautiful. Friends, when you practice sex outside of marriage, you are uniting with someone and you're forming an intimate bond, one that looks much like God has created it to look. But when the bond is formed, it's harder to use discretion. It's harder to leave when that person is hurting you. It's harder to know if that person is right for you because you've formed a bond that is purely physical and I would add spiritual. This is why we discourage sex outside of marriage, not only because God says it, because he knows what's best for us. Now, if you are feeling this right now, I don't know who's up to what, okay? So I'm not talking about you. God's talking to you if he's talking to you. But he knows when you stitch your soul to get together with someone, it will tear you apart if it doesn't work. Young people in the room, um, we don't want you to tear out the sutures of your soul because you made a quick decision. This is why it's so important to find someone who loves Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself worshiping different things, and eventually it will tear you into two in some way. Now, adultery, this is bad news, right? Like, we're clear. Adultery. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this, do I? Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? For those of you who are married and have a close relationship with someone of the opposite gender, I just encourage you to have safeguards. Um, even if you are not married and you spend time with someone you are not married to, it's good to have safeguards. What do I mean by safeguards? Well, um, every year on my birthday, it's in June, um, it's D-Day actually, which is kind of cool because my name starts with D. Um, my wife makes me a platter of Rice Krispie Treats. You put a filet mignon in front of me and Rice Krispie Treats, I'm going to eat both. But, <laughs> but I will say, Rice Krispie Treats are like my Achilles heel. I don't know what it is about them. And what I don't want is for you guys now to all show up in my house with all these platters of Rice Krispie Treats because I have zero control over Rice Krispie Treats. And so what happens is she makes me a whole platter and she says, this is for you and the family. And so the next day I wake up like really sick because I ate the whole thing and my family didn't get like one bite because I have zero control over Rice Krispie Treats. And so um, in the past, she would make a platter for the family and a platter for me. We don't do that anymore. And then here's why it's even worse, because Father's Day is just like a week later. And you know what my wife would do for me for Father's Day? She would make me Rice Krispie treats, and I love them, but I had no control. And so one of the things that I, ha I have to work out with my family is I have to say, okay, we can only have so many Rice Krispie treats available to me because I know I will use them. This is the kind of discretion I'm talking about. If you find yourself with no control when you're alone with someone, you have to practice discretion. You have to figure out what you can do, what you're strong enough to do. Um, and you also have to think about like who, if you continue to build relationship with this person and it goes along those lines for a long time, then you won't have the same discretion then. So you want to set up the safeguards now. Proverbs 6, 27 through 29 says this, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? 
They've never seen Survivor. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one, touches her, no one who touches her will go unpunished. Because, friends, sin destroys, but satisfaction in God leads to life. Now, I want to get even more practical with you guys for a second. Friends, uh, I give my wife my phone all the time. I tell her to check my computer, um, my email, my text. Uh, I tell her to check, do you see any new apps that you've never heard of? Um, I, I basically, I say she has a fishing license for my entire life. I feel strong in the Lord, okay? Um, but because she is always going to check, it's just one more safeguard. I hope my willingness to be open about everything shows her that I have nothing to hide. Now, I have met with so many men who have said, I shouldn't have to do that. And I say, no, this is you volunteering as a way to show to your wife or to show to your significant other, you got nothing to hide. Now, every once in a while, like a birthday comes up or something like that where you want to do a present, it's very hard to hide when I'm handing over, like, what's this Amazon thing? You know, it happens. And, and, and truth be told, I could find ways around that, but it's just one more way of showing to my wife that I want to be honest with her and I don't want to commit this kind of adultery. You shouldn't have to hide. You shouldn't have to give your phone away. But sometimes we choose to do things like this for the benefit of the other person and for the benefit of our soul and setting up safeguards. But also married men, I just want to tell you this. Married Christian men, you don't have to be a jerk to women, okay? Uh, I just don't recommend that you make best friends with them. Does that make sense? Make best friends with your wife if you're a, a married man. Don't make best friends with any other woman outside there. Some of you guys are already going, this is, I don't like this. This is just my advice. I'm just telling you because I'm telling you to set up safeguards. You don't have to choose between ignoring someone and flirting. There's a nice, uh, like being nice to them in the middle, okay? Um, I've been around men who have decided that because they want to take Jesus seriously, they're just jerks to women. I don't think that honors God either, okay? Um, there's a safe spot in between. The opposite sex is not the enemy. Sin is the enemy. Uh, but we should remember also, too, that the, the, the Ten Commandments were a minimum. Jesus comes along and says, oh, you did the minimum. Oh, look at you. Look at you. You're awesome, right? Because he's speaking to these dudes, these religious dudes, right? And, and nobody in this room is like the religious dudes. Like, I don't think there's anybody in this church who would say, I got it all together. If your pastor up front is saying, I got a closet full of stuff, um, then I don't think there's anybody in here who has that, that posture. But you got to remember who Jesus is talking to. These guys said, hey, I have memorized the first five books of the Bible. What about you? And they're coming to Jesus and saying, oh, Ten Commandments? I got it. I got it taken care of. And so Jesus says to them, okay, well, then let's take it further. Let's take it further what it looks like to be holy. Um, now, how do we know that it was a minimum? Well, Terrence E. Freetham, he states the obvious and troubling minimum. I'm going to say this to you, and it bugs me. And I feel like if it bugs me, it's going to bug some of you, and I want to like, bring it to light. Men commit adultery only with other married women. Women with any other man. This reflects the patriarchal character of Israel's society. So this is just a very low minimum here, friends. But Jesus comes and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, are you ready? Oh, you think you're holy. You think you're so great. Okay, well, let's talk about the next level. So Jesus levels up. And um, he makes sure to correct this. And so this is our second point. Lust destroys. That's our second point. Lust destroys. Lust is consuming another person like you would a meal and throwing them away, okay? That's what lust is. Like, oh, I'm going to use this person for me and I'm going to chuck them, okay? I'm going to just use them whenever I feel like it but not care about their eternal soul. That's lust. 
It's not valuing them as a human made in God's image. This is viewing them as a thing made for your enjoyment. Friends, sin in our heart destroys, but satisfaction in God leads to life. Now let's look at Matthew 5, 27. Is anybody uncomfortable yet? I am. So, all right, Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Friends, sin in our hearts destroys, but satisfaction in God leads to life. So, real love doesn't stop at, I didn't commit adultery. This is what Jesus is saying. Can you imagine me using, like, I don't cheat on my wife as my, like, way that I show her that I love her? Like, honey, I know I spent all of your medicine money on Pokemon cards, but I never cheated on you. So I must really love you, right? Well, that's my medicine money. But I didn't cheat on you. So we're good, right? Like, of course not. That's so dumb, right? But that's kind of what, what these people are doing to God. That's what we do to God. Like, hey, God, I don't do any of these things. So all this other junk over here, yeah, I must love you, right? No, it flies past that. Um, Barclay, he calls it the new standard. Remember who Jesus is talking to, religious elite. They know everything, and he's saying, no, you don't. They're perfectly obedient, and Jesus is saying, no, you're not. Friend, we are, friends, we are in need of hearing Jesus today more than ever. Men and women are not sex objects for your pleasure. And I feel like most of these verses go against the, the men the most. Um, I just want to say one thing to our women. When, when Magic Mike came out and all these Christian women were posting online about how much they loved it and they loved, like, what, Channing, Channing Tatum? Is that who it is? And they loved seeing his, like, gyrations and stuff. I was like, these are Christian women. And this is not honoring God in the same way. All right, there you go, ladies. Came at you too. That doesn't honor God. But men and women are not sex objects for your pleasure alone, friends. Friends, if sex and TV and movies is the only media um, that you don't let in, though, there's other places that you'll find yourself uh, hearing it. Music. The movies that you get, the books you read, the friends you hang out with, do they drive you closer to God or do they drive you further away from him, I ask you? Adultery of the body always begins with idolatry from God. And it's hard. And, and often this means we're lazy. We don't spend time in his word. We don't put in effort with the people we love. We're spiritually lazy. Next, we have adultery of the mind. It begins with fantasies about someone other than our spouse. Friends, you don't get to real adultery without it first happening in your mind. Can I say that again? You don't get to real adultery without it first happening in your mind. And that doesn't start until you become spiritually lazy. So here, I'm going to tell you a story about one of the greatest men in the Bible who I think was spiritually lazy. We could just say he was lazy. You guys heard of David? Man after God's own heart. David was a dude that we would not employ in this church, okay? He would come and he would be like, hey, I'd love to, you know, to help out. To... We'll be like, you could maybe do chairs. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. Like, I would not trust myself around David, right? Because what did David do? David was whack. Okay, let's tell you. Let me read to you from 2 Samuel 11. 2 Samuel 11, um, this is David, okay? Okay, and if you don't know who David is, he's like King David, man after God's own heart. Everybody looked up to David. He was so great. In the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Okay, so first off, David's lazy. David's staying home when kings are supposed to go out to war. So David is staying home in his laziness, and what does he do? He decides, I'm going to go out on the rooftop. David knows what happens on the rooftop. It's like the equivalent of like little kids in the Spice Channel, okay? So I don't know if that's true. Do you guys know what the Spice Channel is? No, okay. Well, when we were little boys, 
We tried to like look at like TV channels that were all like messed up. We were always trying to like get into trouble and we couldn't, okay, I'm going to stop. All right. So here's what David did. One evening, David got up from his bed, strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her, and he said, Isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messages to, messengers to her, and when she came to her, he slept with her. David, a man after God's own heart, got lazy, sat on the roof, and saw something he liked that was not his, and decided that he wanted to consume another human being for his own benefit rather than someone else's. Now, when a lot of people look at this first, they wonder, could a king who is in complete charge of his country, could she have actually consented to this? We don't even know. Um, but here we have a man, David, a man after God's own heart, doing this. Eventually, he murders her husband so that he can have her as his wife. This is David, a man after God's own heart, who becomes lazy and who stops going to war like he should and starts looking. And a lot of people will say, I think this is the best way to put it. It's not a sin to look. I hear that all the time. That's true. It's not a sin to accidentally look at something. It's a sin to look the second time. You know what I'm talking about. The first time you're like, oh. The second time you, you, you gotta like guard your heart and guard your eyes. Jesus is gonna tell us how to do that and it's gonna be weird. Um, because sin in our heart destroys but satisfaction in God leads to life. But once again, you guys, this sin is not only denying God in our lives but de denying other humans are made in God's image. That, they're, that they should not be for our consumption, but they, they are good. And since we're already talking about surfing, you guys know I love surfing, what's the one song that always comes to mind when I'm sitting out there on my board, my feet dangling? It's that Jaws song, you know? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I think about that all the time. Like, I don't know, if you were, when you were a kid, maybe the equivalent was like when you were scared of what was underneath the bed and you'd like hang your, your feet underneath the bed and you're always worried something's gonna get you. That's how it is every time I surf. I always think about sharks. I always see my feet dangling down and wonder, would I see a shark coming up? I don't know. But let me say this. Sharks freak me out, but I also know they're an important part of creation, that God created them for, for, for good. And Sharks are being wiped out right now. Actually, over 100 million sharks are being killed every year, and the majority of that is for their fins. It is believed two-thirds of the sharks on the planet are becoming in danger of being extinct. Why am I talking about this? Shark fin soup is a symbol of status in certain cultures. It is intentionally decadent, intentionally wasteful and expensive. It says, I am so flippin' rich, I can waste an entire animal on this small, piece of, this small little bowl of soup. That's what it's saying. The fishermen who provide the fins, I swear this is gonna make sense eventually, participate in something called finning, where rather than drag the whole shark to shore, where the shark is worth less than the fin, they just cut the fin off, throw the shark back in, and let it die of suffocation or loss of blood. This is what they do. This is seeing the animal as um, only there for our enjoyment, using it for our enjoyment, and chucking it back in the water to die. And this is the same picture I have of the way we lust after human beings. I just want this part of you, and I could care less what happens to you. I couldn't care less what happens to you after that. 
It's been the same thing with buffalo. We wiped out buffalo in the 1800s, right? We wanted their tongues because I guess that tasted good. And then we just took care of the rest of them, let them die. Same thing with the ivory trade in Africa. This is not unique to any, any region. But us humans love to consume something or someones just like parasites. We are selfish and it's reflected in pornography. When you look upon another human being with lust in your eyes, you devalue them. Pornography devalues humans made in God's image. And I will say this as someone who was, when I was young, I consumed a a ton of pornography. There are also firm links between pornography and sex trafficking, meaning that watching pornography enables and encourages sex trafficking. You're hurting more than just yourself when you view pornography. It's a dirty industry and there's slavery all over it. This is a fun sermon. But friends, sin in our hearts leads to death, but satisfaction in God leads to life. And so you may have come thinking you were doing okay today, not sleeping with someone outside of marriage. And you find yourself feeling maybe a little guilty today. Like David, maybe you've looked too long. Maybe you let the fantasy go a little too long with someone that's not your husband or wife. Or maybe you just like watching a particular show on HBO that devalues human beings and and makes them solely into objects. There's a pastor in Long Beach, uh, D.A. Horton, and he says this. And by the way, I never thought that this would be the sermon I would preach. You know, whenever I was not a Christian, I would look at these kind of sermons and be like, see, those guys are so judgmental. And I just want you to know, once again, this is not me telling you that I'm better than you or that I figured this out. It's me saying we need to figure this out. We need to draw. God needs to draw us to himself, and we need to rely upon the power of God to figure this out. Now, here's what D.A. Horton says. He says, we must discern what feeds our imagination and tempts our hearts to stray from sexual purity. This includes the movies and TV shows we watch, the music we listen to, the text messages we exchange, and the pictures we look at on Instagram. It could also be regular private conversations in which we make deep emotional investments in people rather than our spouses. Friends, my first advice above everything else in all of this, don't keep them Rice Krispie treats in your house because you know you're going to not succeed if you do. I'm talking about sex. Sin in our hearts destroys, but satisfaction in God leads to life. My second piece of advice is to embrace the gospel. Once again, Jesus interprets the Ten Commandments to show us how we can't do this. We can't. We absolutely are incapable of getting this right on our own. But the beauty of the gospel is that God saw us outside in the rain, outside of the family of God, and he said, I want to do something about that. God sent his son to this earth to die for us because he loved us, but he was a perfect sacrifice. So uh, Jesus didn't sin while he was on this earth. And I tell you, it says that he was like us in that, fully man, but fully God. And so we find this weird thing where God had to himself figure out what it meant to have a body that was broken, a body that was sick, a body that had urges and had to figure out what to do with it. And then he willingly died as a sacrifice on the cross for us, for you, for me, so that we might have life and life abundant. But he didn't just do that. He rose again, right? He rose again to show us that he had power over the grave, to show us that he had power over our sin. Because a lot of times we'll be sitting in that sin and it feels like there's no way out. It's like we're deep in a cave and we're looking up and we're like, I can't get out of this. And he says, you know what? If I conquer death, I can conquer your sin too. I can do that for you. And that's what Jesus did for us because he loved us. And friends, I know it's so hard to sit in, in the rest of our world and say, you know what, I, know, I have this idea that he loved us, but I just have no idea what it would look like for me to follow him. It sounds weird. And I just tell you, when I first started going to church, I was like, this sounds weird. 
And the more I read the Bible, the more I spent time around, uh, around uh, Christians who love Jesus, not the, the fake ones, the more I saw that Jesus truly loved me and wanted, me to, wanted to help me get through this. And I found myself waking up in the morning, and, and dudes, I know you're going to make fun of me for this, but I woke up in the morning feeling in love with Jesus. Like, like you know how you wake up and the sunsets are prettier? That's what happened when I embraced Jesus. When I said, you know what, I'm, I'm done going my own way. I want to follow you. And when I did, suddenly I was in love again. Just like the love I felt for my wife. I felt it for a God-man. <laughs> Super weird. I want to make one caveat, too. We talk about this, like, not lusting thing. And so as Christians, we tend to, like, let's not lust. Let's not, let's, let's not lust. Now, I'm pretty sure most of us watch the Super Bowl. And I'm sure I watched it with some of you guys. And uh, it got a little weird. J-Lo, Shakira, beautiful women. And they were, uh, uh, you know, gyrating. Um, that's the, I don't know. Hey, and, and I found myself in a place like, you know, I just got to not look. And so I just walked to the back of the room, didn't look. Um, one, my son was like really interested. And I was like, hey, man, come on, you know. Um, but then some old minister from Ohio did this. He sued the NFL. Why are they allowed to pump that right into my home without my approval? Isn't there something out there contributing to the delinquency of a minor? We're going to continue to get this stuff unless we sue them. Class action lawsuits, blah, 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 blah. Friends, this is not the way. The way is for us to be different. We don't need to sue the NFL. We can celebrate things, and then we can choose not to participate in things. Can we just do this without being jerks? Like, I kind of hope that my friend didn't see me as a jerk, like, oh, look at you looking at that, that uh, pretty surfer lady taking a shower in front of the ocean. No, 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 no. It was me just saying, hey, I prefer not to do that for myself. I love my wife. I think my wife is gorgeous. That's what I was doing. But I'll tell you, men, the responsibility is on you, and it's a heavy burden. Many of you are spiritual leaders of your family. And what that means is, is that if a girl wears something revealing, stop looking. You don't have to go tell her all about her outfit when she comes to church. Don't look. Like, grow up. If, if you see something sketchy on TV that, that causes you to feel a certain way, change the channel. Stop looking. You're okay. You're a big boy. You can do that. Teach your kids this, too. Teach your kids not to go to certain movies because you know it won't build them up and encourage them. Turn off the TV and don't look. Men, you can do this. But that means we're going to have, actually have to listen to Jesus' advice for lust. And honestly, it's kind of crazy. And here's the third advice, uh, the third point. Cut out the things that destroy your soul. I hope you all don't hate me after this, but here it goes. Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if, you lose, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, so let's talk about this. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, the word here for sin can be translated as stumble. And, and, and it comes from this, this other word, scandalon, scandalous, um, which is related to scandalathron. Okay, scandalathron. You with me? Scandalathron. Okay, it's a bait and stick, okay? It's a bait and stick trap. So it's like you got a trap, right? And on this trap, uh, you, you put something, and then the animal will go, get in the trap, and get stuck. So Jesus is saying, this is a trap, okay? Um, like, think of like, uh, maybe like a bunch of sticks, you know, that we would put over like a big hole. So someone would go get something and fall right into the hole, right? That's the kind of trap that's scandalathron, okay? So think of it a little further now. I want you to think about a rat trap. 
Jesus was probably not thinking of a rat trap, but I am. The place you put the cheese on, that's the scandalothron, okay? And if you're like me, you have rats, and now we're starting to let the, the hood cats in so that they can just take care of it. But for the longest time, we were setting traps for uh, the rats. Stay with me. The devil has set a trap for your soul. The devil has set a trap for your soul. And if those animals get trapped in a animal trap, say a rat gets trapped in a rat trap, and its paw, let's just say its right paw is caught in the rat trap. Well, this rat knows that something bad is coming to get them pretty soon. And you know what that rat will do? It will gnaw off its hand so that it might not lose its life. In the same way, Jesus is saying, is it worth your hand? Is it worth your hand? Is it worth being popular? Is it worth not being seen as a weirdo? Is it worth uh, succeeding in your job by choosing sin? Or is it better just to lose it? Now, friends, if you think that he's being totally like, we, we can talk about that later, but here, here's what he's saying. If you feel temptation at your work around that one dude, ladies, maybe start looking for a new job. Better finding a new job than destroying your family. If you really enjoy flirting with that waitress at that one restaurant, dudes, maybe stop going to that restaurant or choose a different table or make sure that you only go with other people. Friends, I love sports. I'm sure you know this by now. I stopped looking at Sports Illustrated online because I felt like it was throwing me nudity. It was throwing me like almost nudity. And I just had to say, you know what? I care about my soul more than I care about sports. And I really like sports. I always want to, like someone will send a link to like, hey, Aztecs have won this many in a row. Check out Sports Illustrated. I'm like, Lord, protect me. I'm not going there. It's the worst because sin in our heart destroys, but satisfaction in God leads to life. Now, the right hand would be a suggestion of your dominant hand. That's what Jesus is talking about. The right eye would be suggesting the eye that controls the rest of you. Jesus is telling you to allow the Holy Spirit to attack the sins that control you. Allow him to tear down beams of sin, Throw up beams of holiness. It's not easy. I believe Jesus is using hyperbole here, but there are some things in our life that we would rather hold on to than our own limbs, wouldn't we? Usually this is a reference to our sins that enslave us. But friends, if all you do is think about the things you shouldn't think about, you will endlessly be tormented, right? Try harder doesn't always help, does it? Like right now, I'm struggling to sleep. I sleep great till like 3 a.m., and then I wake up, and I'm thinking about all these things. Do you know what does not help me sleep? Me going, sleep. Just sleep, dude. Come on, go to sleep. You've got to be up in three hours. Oh, you've got to be up in two and a half hours. You've got to be up in two hours and 15 minutes. That never works, does it? That, doesn't, that never helps me sleep. In the same way, if you find yourself being controlled by these sins, just trying harder, try harder, try harder is not always going to be the solution. A Christian life seeks God. It's not one of inactivity. It's one of wanting to change and it's one of wanting to change by the power of God. And I tell you, if you do nothing about it, it's going to be like being in a river. And, and if you're doing nothing, you're going to float down. But if you do something, you, you're not going to get up that river without God's help. We've got to seek to fill our lives with good things. Reading your Bible, it's a good thing, right? You knew I'd say that. Prayer, praying with others, worshiping with the church, going to city groups, growth groups. These things should not replace living life amongst the people. But I don't want to turn you into Christian hermits who spend no time with not yet believers, but I want to encourage and equip you with goodness. 
Encourage each other towards holiness as the day is drawing near. Let me read this to you, Colossians 3. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. My sermon is going so long. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up real oh, All right, I'm going to try my best. Some of you will hear this wrong. I just want to say this. If you need to stop watching R-rated movies, you've got to stop watching R-rated movies. Um, some of you need to cancel HBO and Netflix. Am I saying everyone in here needs to do that? No. I just be honest. I can't watch movies with sexual content and not be changed. That's me, okay? Some of you need to quit drinking, like completely, because one drink causes you to have two drinks, two drinks, three, and then three leads to sin. Cut it out. Pour out every bottle. Get in a program if you need to. Share it with people around you. Does that mean everyone in here needs to stop? No. I can easily drink one gluten-free cider, and I don't want any more because I actually would rather have like a cidre almondé than I would rather have a, like a, a, an alcoholic drink. I don't love it that much like a glass of wine. If something that people think is normal, though, friends, causes you to sin, it's time to face reality that you cannot love this world and love God. For many of us, you will need to be okay with the idea that if you really want to follow God with your life, you will be a weirdo to people. Like, I know people are going to leave here today and go, that guy's weird. And um, it's all of you that will say that. But in the same way, there will be people who think that idea is weird. That makes no sense. That doesn't fit in with our society. And I will tell you, it makes no sense and doesn't fit in with our society unless, unless God is who he says he is. Now, I'm going to close with this. I'll invite the band back up. I want to say this. Sex is good. Sex is a good thing. God created it to be good. It's all over the flipping Bible. Proverbs 5, 15 says this. Drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams in the public squares? Okay, we all know what he's talking about, right? They should be for you and you alone, not to share with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. A loving deer, a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Friends, my wife and I intentionally talk about our love for each other in front of our kids. We also talk about the goodness of sex in front of our kids inside marriage. And we also warn our kids, don't come in when the door is closed. Tony Evans, Tony Evans says this. He says this. He says, think of sex like a fire, with marriage serving as a living room fireplace. If you allow sex to blaze outside of its intended boundary, you might just burn down your own home. In any case, you will unleash destruction. Friends, generations of people have been taught that sex is bad. I want our kids to know it is good. It is a good thing inside of marriage. It is a creation from God. It just needs to be done in the right way. We're not going to set a fire all over the house. We're going to put it in the right place, in the fireplace. And then our souls are knit together, and God blesses that. And I'll tell you, if you're not married and you're living together, let's make it right. Like, we have multiple families, lots of them in our church, who come different weeks, and that's where they're at. Let us help you make it right with God. Let us make it right in the eyes of God. A lot of times we'll just do a spiritual ceremony so that, that, that you have made that commitment to one another. Friends, God is for you, and he's not against you, and he has a beautiful desire for you to flourish. Sin in our heart destroys, but satisfaction in God leads to life. And you can find satisfaction in God. Tell him where you've sinned, ask for forgiveness, commit to following him, and watch what he does in your life. And you will be weird just like the people you're judging right now, but you will have so much joy. You will be in a much better place when you look backwards and say, I'm so glad God brought me here. I'm so glad brought me here. 
Now, friends, I would like to end in prayer. God, we thank you that you are present. And uh, God, I pray that you would be with our people who have an attention span like mine, as we have gone pretty late today. I pray that you would bless them, bless their marriages, bless their relationships, encourage them. And God, in this moment of silence, we bring you our sins and confess them to you. Silently. Father, as we look into our hearts, we know there are areas where we have fallen short of what you've called us to do. There are ways that we have grieved you. There are ways that we have hurt other people. But the good news of your gospel is that you will separate us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. That it will be as if it never happened in your sight. All we have to do is repent and accept Jesus in our hearts. Father, we thank you for that sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross on our behalf, that we might be set free and we might be able to live holy lives in your sight. We thank you and we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.